Hello and welcome or welcome back to the Grip Tape Podcast. I'm your host, Alicia or AJ, and I just want to tell you a little bit about Grip Tape. Grip Tape is the only space that gives youth the power to learn what they want, the funding to pursue their learning, and a champion to encourage them along the way. Today, we have a very special guest, Davin. He was actually a challenger turned to a champion. Um, And we get to hear a little bit about how this transition happened and what led to this and what led to that. He actually initially wanted to do his challenge on a documentary or a TED Talk, but he eventually changed it to dot, dot, dot. (laughs) You have to keep listening to figure out what he actually did his challenge on and get all of the details and key tips and all the great takeaways that I got from talking with him that I want to share with you. So keep listening so that you can hear this podcast. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating. Five stars only, please. (laughs) No, it's okay. Whatever you choose, whatever your heart desires. But please, Subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends and family, um, and also apply for the challenge or become a challenger. And if you've already been one, then email us um, so that we can get an opportunity to interview you. Follow us on Instagram at GT Podcast, which is also Grip Tape Podcast. It's Grip Taped with a D. All of the information is in the description and or show notes, so be sure to check there if you can't find it or if my directions aren't very clear. All right, let's get into it. Um, tell me about your challenge. Like, what did you do? What was the challenge about? I want to know all the details. So for my challenge, initially, I was going to do, um, you know, something around, like, creating a documentary or a TED Talk. But I really wanted to take some time to kind of, like, learn a skill or do something, like, really like hands-on because I feel like I haven't had a lot of practice with kind of like honing a craft. And one of the things I chose was, um, was marketing and branding through that. I kind of did, I made like a drop shipping store. Um, and then I researched all the different aspects of everything from, you know, advertising to, you know, creating, um, uh, copy or creatives, um, and I really looked into everything and just went, um, like, head in. Wow. Okay. So it started with documentary TED Talk, and then it led to drop shipping and marketing and learning about that. So what caused that transition? Like, what made, I mean, I know you mentioned that you wanted to learn something more of a skill, but I mean, in a way you can learn about documenting. So what made you, was there something that pushed you to really change, like, your challenge? Well, I felt like I haven't been like super creative or haven't been able to like be or have like a nice creative outlet. Um, And for a while I've been doing things like uh, speech and debate, but I wanted to kind of be able to, you know, learn a skill that I could use towards my, like the rest of my life or kind of use this to get a jump start on what I might want to do for like a career. Mm, that's really smart. Okay. That that reminds me of something. People are constantly like trying to figure out what they want to do now, but don't fi- try to figure out like something they can do that could help them throughout their future. So that's really amazing. I want to know about this dropshipping business. Like what was it? What did you sell? Like what was the hardest? I want to know everything. <laughs> <laughs> I guess um, to start, I was selling, um, they were like diaper bags. 
And just like a complete disclaimer, the whole business was a flop, but I learned so much from it. Um, I, I took a lot of time into trying to find the right product and I really didn't, I didn't think it completely through. I put a lot of time into it, but I didn't put the right amount of effort into it. And because I didn't, um, I didn't choose carefully enough or I didn't put my efforts in the right spots. I wasn't able to be as like successful, you know, just in terms of like selling it. Mm -hmm. So, okay. I guess let's start from the beginning. How did you choose your product or what was that process like? So first, I tried to find people who were, you know, doing the same thing, who have had success with drop shipping or selling products. So I watched a lot of YouTube videos. Um, I found some really good like inspiration and I tried to take the core of what they were saying and just apply it to, you know, all the little steps of like looking on, you know, there are certain websites like AliExpress mm -hmm. um, where you can find, like hundreds and thousands of products um, that can just be shipped to anywhere. And then I set that up through a Shopify store, out a domain and everything. Um, but one of the important things that I remember learning was that there's kind of like this innate ability that you kind of have to gain or learn to tell you know, which products or what items could be or will be like a hot item. Okay. So even before that, out of all things, like why drop shipping? Why not just start your own business um, like for your personal brand or something? What, what made you want to do the drop shipping route? And can you also define drop shipping for those that don't know? Yeah, sure. So drop shipping is where you take a product from, um, you know, a distributor from like, um, you know, their warehouse or someone else who hosts it, and you act as the middleman. So you host the site, um, and you set the prices for the product, and then they're shipped to the consumer. So you act as sort of a connecting point for, you know, a larger retailer or a larger, larger distributor. Um, yeah. What was the other question that you had? <laughs> what made you do drop shipping <laughs> instead of like a personal brand or one of those type of businesses? One of the biggest deciding factors for that was the the time limit. So there's about three months, um, 12 weeks. So really build out a brand and fresh, flesh out a product that, um, that is like, that focuses on quality, that has purpose, that has passion, that has joy. All of those elements I feel are super essential to making um, a solid product. And I don't feel like... Um, I would be able to jump into the marketing, the advertising, um, and the other aspects without dedicating more time to actually like thinking of my own product. Hmm. Okay. So I know that you said that the dropshipping business was not successful as you wanted it to be. And why do you think that was? What do you think were the limitations that may have caused you to not be successful? 
I think one of the things was, um, again, like putting time into, into the proper research, because anyone can just buy a domain, set up a store, and then sell like a really bad product or even a good one. But to really take the time to figure out um, if it's a quality product, um, if the customer service is um, is good, if um, if people actually need it, and how to, I think another one of the most important things is listening to the data. Um, when you advertise, um, you get a lot of data from like who's looking at it, how many people are you reaching, are people engaging with it, and if you don't listen to it correctly, then you will never be able to sell the product. Wow. Okay. So you said a lot of good points. One, listening to the data, that that's really big. Like from an entrepreneur perspective, understanding that is a process in itself, but to just take the time to really analyze and figure out what you can use for your benefit is really big. So that's really amazing. What do you think were the biggest lessons that you learned from this um, unsuccessful dropshipping business that could help you be more successful in another dropshipping business? I think one of the things that could help me be more successful is to recognize what assumptions you're making and then test them. And once you test them, actually listen to the results and then, you know, make, um, make inferences or conclusions based on the results, not on what you want them to be. So have you tried to, have you tried another dropshipping business since then? I haven't tried another dropshipping business since then, um, but I've definitely been applying my uh, skills and the things I've learned to, you know, my most current job. Okay, yeah. Tell me about this current job since we've transitioned from the <laughs> dropshipping life. So um, I'm currently a, a program assistant for Education Incubator, which is a local nonprofit here in Hawaii that really specializes in you know, creating innovation for youth, um, but really making sure that it's youth-led innovation. Um, really making sure that they can make change happen now and make sure that they can, you know, put time into things that they think matter, that they want to matter. How did you get a part of this program? Like, how did you get a part of this organization? So it kind of started out, um, a few years ago when I was an intern for um, a place called Halawi Nana. It's an innovation center um, in my local community. And then I, it's a funny story. I actually stumbled onto them um, by accident. Um, and then I just ended up helping out there. Through there, I kind of built some connections with them. And then a few years later, I actually ran into them um, in the middle of an elevator. And mm -hmm. then they invited me to their... Um, they were hosting a, a summer youth um, innovation camp. And then from there on out, they just couldn't get rid of me. Wow. So you fell in love with the program and you stay connected. Mm -hmm. That's amazing because people, so when you first met them, you said when you first got involved, you were just helping out like for free, not for any benefits, just, just doing your part. Um, kind of. Yeah. See, uh, I think that's very important because people seek opportunities 
and jobs for their own benefit. But sometimes it's just you being that helping hand to that organization or the people involved, which I think is so important because you learn skills, you build those connections, like you said, and it can lead to future opportunities, exactly like you said. But because you built that relationship and you stay connected and you did everything just for the benefit of others, you were able to receive a greater return. And now you are a program assistant. So how is that like, what is the best part about program assistant? Maybe the worst part, if you have one. Um, this is more about like their, their kind of job culture than it is than like the actual title itself. Um, they're super amazing. Um, at Education Incubator, they totally, um, they're so understanding and kind. Um, and they really like radiate warmth and energy um, and positivity. And that's definitely displayed through um, just their their adapting mindsets, their their ability to kind of um, pivot and change direction when needed. Uh, it is a small startup, so that is in kind of part how it is able to stay so flexible. Um, but to like the actual like things I do as a program assistant, um, obviously I help out with the programs, <laughs> but <laughs> it's kind of like um, helping facilitate workshops, um, like um, um, like if we have any activities, I help facilitate that, or just assist in any way I can. Yeah. Right. That's amazing. So, Education Incubator is a nonprofit dedicated to creating opportunities for youth to develop and center. No, develop and implement innovations to meet needs in their community. So how have you been able to witness firsthand, like, the impact that this program has had on youth in your community? I think it's evident in not only the, the things that, you know, the youth and even teachers, like, create, whether it's, like, fleshing out ideas or developing... Um, products or services or even just like um, or even just like the actual idea of what they're doing I think it's also evident in you know the mindsets and the growth that you can see from it one of the things I can remember or when I recall was an activity that we did it was called tennis balls so what you do is you get in a circle of you know a certain amount of people and you have to move the tennis balls in a specific order. And then you have to break down your time from say like 30 seconds, and then you have to break down exponentially to like 10 seconds. And eventually um, everybody or each group is about to, um, you know, complete the task in like almost under a second. Okay, wait, wait, I think, I feel like Maybe I played this game. So is it like you're in a circle and it's, is it one tennis ball per group or something like that? It's just how do you get There are multiple the... tennis balls. Oh, okay. So is it like how do you get it around the circle the fastest or something like that? Maybe I'm talking about a whole different game. So like the only rules are that you have to get the tennis balls um, from the specific order of people. So everyone has to touch the tennis ball and you can't have two people next to each other touch it consecutively and the okay. tennis balls have to be in the bucket at the end 
Okay, so yeah, I played a, a version of this. I don't think we use a bucket, but I w- the goal was for everyone to touch the ball and figure out how you could do it in the fastest time. And and in you know going through different trials and thinking as a group and figuring out okay how can I make this faster? How can I be more effective? What did we learn last time that we can implement this time? Where do we fail at? Uh, where were we good at? These type of things really build skill and understanding and analysis skills and all of these things and in the end we figured out if we all just touch the ball really fast that's our fastest time and it's crazy to just think that like these simple activities really have a much deeper meaning because teamwork people all the time especially in the world we live in to now in now and it's like everything is a competition everyone's always competing against someone or um people get mad because someone else is starting the same business as them just things like that when really there's so many opportunities this world is huge there's a billion of people in the world so many different people you can contact and if we can just put two brains or multiple brains together that's so much better than one because only one person can know so much i kind of went on a tangent but that that game like (laughs) i remember that game i think grip tape um we did that at a design day and it it really just let me really understand things differently. Like that small little activity really changed a lot for me. Um, so getting back to you, as far as your challenge, what do you think were the most important skills? Like not even about dropshipping, but just concepts that you learned throughout that challenge that helped you now and that could help you still in the future. I think one of the, you know, the biggest lessons that I could have learned from that was, again, coming back to, um, um, you know, I don't think it's about not making assumptions, but about testing your assumptions, making sure that what conclusions you draw are based on um, data and they're as objective as possible. And two would actually be, um, you know, accepting help, actually, because I kind of did this journey um pretty solo and then i feel like i could have achieved a lot more if i accepted some help that i was given so do you think that your champion was beneficial to your journey and in what ways i think that um my champion was beneficial to my journey um because she helped me kind of get out of my own head sometimes um i think one of the bad habits that i had was that I didn't know how to, I guess, express, you know, some of the challenges that I was going through in the journey. Um, So I was kind of just like, oh, everything's fine. Um, And I would just like work through it. But I didn't know how to kind of, you know, express those, those frustrations or the struggles. Yeah, I, I think that's like a natural instinct because sometimes we feel like people won't understand and it could be the simplest thing. And we feel like people won't understand, like they're not doing the challenge or they're not doing the business or they're not going through this hardship. But sometimes people may not be going through the same thing, but they can still be a person for you to vent to. And sometimes just having someone to help you get it off your chest will lift a weight off of your shoulder. And that's why I think champions are so important. And even just having friends that are going through a learning challenge too with you, 
you can then be like, okay, so my challenge, maybe it wasn't a good week or maybe it was a great week and that encourages them or vice versa. But I totally agree with just figuring out how to express yourself is so important. Um, have you figured out, like, is there ways that you, when you're doing things as far as with your program and you have hardships or difficulties, have you figured out new ways to express those difficulties now? Um, I've definitely figured out how to express those difficulties now. Like even through um, my role as a research champion, I've been able to really see firsthand um, what the you know what my challengers go through, um, and I've seen the impact that this has had on their lives. So I've tried to kind of like reverse engineer the process, or at least like just think about. Um, you know, some questions that work, some questions that don't work in helping them, you know, start to open up. So can we go in on that? How or when did you become a research champion and what led you to do that? So I became a research champion shortly after my, um, my initial journey. Um, so at Education Incubator, um, my bosses, my two bosses, are actually research champions too. And then they, they notified me or they told me about the opening and then they told me that I should, I should apply. So I did, I gave it my best shot and I got accepted. And then I just finished my first cycle um, just this past May. Wow. So how many challenges did you have? This is crazy. This is like groundbreaking. So <laughs> you guys are listening firsthand from a champion from a challenger to a champion, what is life? So how many challenges did you have and what was the best part of that experience? I had 12 challengers. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> and my favorite part was seeing, you know, just the huge impact that it had on some of them. Um, one of the big pieces of advice that I was given from my former champion was that you know, everyone's kind of going through their own journey and everyone has their own rhythms and their own kind of way of doing things. So it's just kind of like being able to get a feel for their own rhythm and just kind of accept that everyone goes through things differently. Mm, that's pretty big. That's crazy. 12 challengers. That's <laughs> a lot. And I know that there's, there's champions that have larger numbers and it's just like, wow, like that's a lot of people because a learning challenge is, is, is a work of art. <laughs> um, there's good parts and there's bad parts and there's mess ups, but you can fix it. Um, so I like to describe it as a work of art because it has a lot of similarities to that. But the champion role, I was just talking to um, someone on a previous episode about how valuable a champion is because they're kind of like that support system. If you don't come from the best neighborhood or community or you really don't have that support, your champion is kind of your everything, especially going through this challenge because it's something new, you've never done it before. Um, maybe people around you have never done it. So you're kind of like that, that test dummy um, and you're going through it and you're trying to figure out, okay, how does this work? That champion is really your support system. And they're just that person cheering you on in the corner. So thank you for being a champion and being somebody's um, motivator because, oh man, like 
my champion was really a good motivator and I've been able to have pure mentees. So it's a little bit different, but having someone in your corner is so important. So for honestly, thank you for that. Um, what do you think you've learned from your, um, your champions? You share what you learned from, I mean, what have you learned from your challenges? You share what you learned from your champion and how <laughs> has that affected your relationships with your challenges? There we go. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't actually um, communicate um, super well with my champion during my, my initial journey, but I decided to reach out to her afterwards and she expressed just like how surprising and how, you know, exciting it was for her to, you know, have me reach out because I feel like because I didn't reach out as much or because I didn't communicate as much, um, there wasn't much of a, like a strong relationship, but now we like keep in touch. Um, and I kind of like, um, she's helped me vent a lot of my concerns about, you know, being a child, uh, being a champion, um, and a lot of her, you know, wisdom and experience has helped me kind of figure out all the little different moving parts and the kinks of, you know, being a champion. Uh, one of my favorite pieces of advice, other than, um, you know, everyone has a different rhythm, is that, you know, everyone, again, this kind of circles back to the same thing. Everyone has their own thing. Um, but to treat them with kindness, but also to treat yourself with kindness. Because sometimes we can be hard on ourselves, you know, thinking that we did something wrong or we made a mistake, but to really respect yourself and, you know, be kind to yourself as well. Yeah, I think that we lose that where sometimes, you, you know, you just, you're helping others so much that you forget that you can't keep helping everyone if you're kind of falling apart because then they'll start falling apart because you're not up to it. And, um, and sometimes that's not, not always looked at in the most positive way. When sometimes you're being selfish with your time, people take that as, oh, this isn't fair, but sometimes you just have to be selfish and you have to make sure that you're okay um, in all aspects, mentally, physically, spiritually, all of those things. So that's very important. Wow. Yeah, that kind of makes me think because I feel like I didn't communicate that well with my champion either because, you know, grip tape, it's like, it's like this weird, like, I don't know, I want to call it a unicorn. Like, you're like, is this real? Like, people are really trying to help me and help me figure out my vision. And it, you have your champion, which is there to, they're there to support you. Um, but I feel like I didn't effectively communicate either. So I think that's a valid point. And I think that's big that you reached out. Like I probably would have been surprised too, but that's really amazing that you reached out and you built that connection afterwards. And I hope that everyone listening takes the time to take that in and does the same thing because that can really, you know, your champions can be recommendation letters. They can be references. There's so many ways that you can, um, use your champion for other things. So, wow, that's really amazing. I'm gonna have to do that. I'm gonna have to, um, copy your tactics. <laughs> I'm happy so, to have inspired you. Yes. So what are your plans maybe for the next couple of years? Like what, what's next for you? So for me, I've been thinking a lot intentionally about, you know, what I want to do or what I want to kind of expose myself to, um, you know, for like 
um, work aspirations. I've been taking a lot of time to explore um, what it means to, you know, get into, you know, different aspects of like business or um, like I've run through a whole bunch of different things. You know how you change, um, kind of change career um, aspirations as like a kid. Like some people, they started like a doctor, then a firefighter, um, then like, and they just go through the whole ringer. Yeah. Um, I've been kind of doing that, but in like kind of a focus. Um, I've mostly been staying on the path of like business and entrepreneurship. So that's kind of like my sector. And through that, I've kind of been able to find little experiences that can help me figure out if this specific like path is something I want to pursue. Like um, one of the first things I thought about was like, oh, um, I'm interested in like entrepreneurship. Um, maybe I could be an entrepreneur. And then I went a little bit deeper into that and I'm like, oh, I really like, um, you know, project or product management. Maybe I could look into that. And then I went further in. Um, I was like, oh, I really like doing consulting work. Maybe I could be a consultant. And then I'm currently at um, brand strategy. And I think it combines some of the best aspects of being a research champion. Um, and also my work at Education Incubator, digging into the deeper whys, um, and then also being able to kind of, you know, ask the right questions. And that's from, you know, both sides. And that's one of the big focuses of being a research champion, asking the right questions, um, making sure they're not like yes or no, or they're, they're you know, or they're like, um, um, like narrowing questions. Mm-hmm. Um, Short answer. Yeah. Wow. Being able to like really out draw it out. I think that's really amazing to just even that you are just you're just doing that. You're exploring different aspects. It's okay to take the time to explore because we constantly think we have to know the answer right now. When it comes to college, you have to know what you're majoring in right now. But it's okay to explore and figure out what you're really passionate about. Because I think it's more important to take time to figure out what you're passionate about than to dive um headstrong into something and then put all this time and money and effort into it and then realize this is not even what I like. This is not even what I'm passionate about. So that's really exactly. important. Wow. So um, before we wrap up, I want to ask a question. So usually we have like a question of the episode. This is my first time remembering to actually ask the interviewee. So this is baby. <laughs> like I get done and I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot the question of the episode. Hey. So um, today's question <laughs> of the episode is um, where is like your dream place to live and why? Um. I think, you know, here in Hawaii, it's kind of like my dream place. Um, but I also feel like I have a need to explore and see the world. Um, but to always like be able to come back to Hawaii, um, because it is my home. And there's really no place I'd rather be. Mm. Ooh, that's really good. <laughs> I, you know, I've never, I come up with these questions at the top of my head. I never actually think about them before I ask them. And I'm asking this question and I haven't even thought about what my answer would be. Um, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. It's like, you always have this connection to home. You feel like I have to stay home. I have to make my home better because this is my home. This is what raised me. But it's also like, 
I don't know how to make my home better if I don't explore what other homes are. Mm. So um, I think that is, I, I guess it's not even answering the question either. Um, because I feel like that I don't have a dream place. I just have a dream. I know the feeling, like I want to feel at home. Like I have a dream feeling of what home will feel like, but I don't know what that location is. Yeah, I feel like it's super important. Yeah. Um, so yes, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us on this podcast episode. If you guys want to answer this question as well, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Grip Tape Podcast um, and send us a DM or an email. And we just want to hear what you're chatting about and figure out what your dream place is. Um, again, we loved interviewing you and learning more about your challenge. This was really amazing. And you gave us a lot of little hidden gems that can be applied to everyday <laughs> life. So that's very important. Um, so yes, thank you again. And we at Grip Tape appreciate you. Thank you.